I hope today, when I get through, you'll have an even greater appreciation for the Word of God than you've ever had. It's amazing to have God's holy Word. And uh, what I want to do is preach this. It's going to be a kind of unusual sermon. I've never preached one just exactly like this. I'm going to really preach you four sermons. Don't get nervous. I won't go overtime, probably. Uh, the Lord put this on my heart. I'm going to call this Precious Memories, Sermons from the Past. You know, they, I think I'm 82 years old. I've done a lot of eating in 82 years. I've eaten lots of meals, but I don't remember most of them, but I'm glad I ate them. Because I would not be alive if I had not eaten them. But some of them really stand out. And one of them was this, probably will stand out was that fish fry that they gave me for my birthday yesterday. Uh, so sermons, I've heard lots of sermons, and I thank God for every one of them. But some of them have really stood out. And I want you to pray that sometimes a sermon will really stand out and have an impact on your life. So I'm going to mention some of those sermons today and kind of preach them to you a little bit and hope that you'll get something out of this. Uh, but first of all, I'll read you a scripture about the Word of God. This is over in Psalm 119, verse 50. This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. That word quickened me is revived. And so God's Word revives us. I couldn't preach a whole sermon on that I want this morning, but I want to mention a couple of times when God's Word revived me, sometimes just reading it, sometimes when I hear it preached. And so the one time, I mentioned this to you before, I was in uh, India, and I was riding the Jeep with Brother Gunnar, and nobody knew my thoughts, only God knew my thoughts. And suddenly, my sins came so real to me, my, all my sins just pressed on my shoulders, it's almost like a physical weight. I just kind of gasped. Nobody knew what I was going through. And I thought, I can't minister. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just can't minister. Uh, I've got to go home. And then the Holy Spirit quickened me. The Holy Spirit brought the Word of God to me. I didn't know where it was. I'm going to read it to you this morning. It's over in Psalm uh, 130, verse 3, where that verse is. And so here I am now, paralyzed, practically. And I couldn't, can't minister anymore. The Holy Spirit brought this word to me over in Psalm. I didn't know where it was. I just knew that, well, the, the expression came to my mind, if thou shouldst mark iniquities, uh, who should stand? And, and that just relieved me instantly. I was ready to go. I couldn't wait to preach. So I finally found it over in Psalm 130, verse 3. If thou, Lord, should make, mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? So thank God. And you can do that, and God will do that with you. Sometimes you may be in a real quandary, and God the Holy Spirit will bring the Word to you you need. That's why I'm always emphasizing memorization. You know, all, everybody here knows I'm talking about memorization all the time. You need to memorize as much of God's Word as you can, and the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind. But also the Word of God guides us, and we ought to be looking for guidance. We all need guidance. So uh, let me tell you one instance when God really guided me, led me through, his, through the preached Word. And so you ought to be listening very carefully to every sermon. So Brother Bobby Poe, who was the founder of Grace Chapel, the founding pastor here, I helped him, but he was the founding pastor, a great man of God who's still alive, uh, a man I love very, very much. So I was a member of White Haven Primitive Baptist Church, and I had a lot of fun over there. I was not the pastor, Brother Hassel Wallace, my father, in the ministry of the pastor. So he had, to care, he had to handle all the problems. I just had a lot of fun as a kid, preacher, he just preached, and he had to handle all the problems. I just had a lot of fun there. So Brother Bobby asked me, he said, Brother Zach, will you come help me start a church in East Memphis? And I didn't want to do it. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll pray about it. So I did pray about it. And then I kind of forgot about it. Then I went down to Pine Hill Primitive Baptist Church in Ripley, Mississippi. A man named Avery Lamb was preaching. Now, Avery Lamb was a shotgun preacher. He was a good shotgun preacher. Most of them were not too good, but he was a good shotgun preacher. 
But all of a sudden he, he read a text I didn't, didn't even know was in the Bible. And this is over in Romans 15, verse 20. Now here I am, Brother Bobby had asked me to come help him do a new work. And I didn't want to do it, but I did pray about it. And so then here's the scripture that he read over Romans 15, 20. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. I almost got up and just went home, didn't even listen to the rest of the sermon. God had spoken to me. Uh, so God spoke to me, and so I came to help Brother Bobby here at Grace Chapel. So listen to God's Word, and uh, He can speak to you just like I, in that Jeep, or He can speak to you through a sermon. God's Word is wonderful, isn't it? You need reviving, don't you, sometimes? You get kind of low, don't you, sometimes? Well, God's Word will quicken you. Paul said this, at my comfort and my affliction, Thy Word has revived me. It's amazing how that happens. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to talk to you about three sermons that have been a great blessing to me in my past. And so I'll preach those a little bit. I won't really preach the whole sermon, of course, but I want to preach them to you a little bit. And one of them was, uh, I was a kid here again. I'm going to tell you some experience I've had. Be alert, kid, in church. My mom and daddy took me one time to Indian Creek Printed Baptist Church in Brighton, Tennessee. It doesn't exist anymore. But it's up in Brighton, Tennessee, north of Memphis. And so I went on to church. I was a teenager in my middle teens. And so old brother W.G. Johnson from Jackson, Tennessee was the preacher. And he read a text. And as he read that text, it's amazing how God wore my heart. It warmed my heart. That's been a long time ago. I'm 82 years old. I was a teenage kid. I still remember that like it was yesterday. And so I'm going to preach that sermon to you a little bit this morning. It's over in Isaiah 32. And he, he read this. I knew to talk about Jesus Christ. And it moved me. It still moved me. So let's read those verses. That's why I wanted to sing that song, uh, Stand By Me. God will always stand by us. You need to know that. So I hope today your soul will be fed, not only just what I preach here, but just know God is going to take care of all your needs. We have a great and glorious and wonderful God. I love this. Look at these first two verses in Isaiah 32. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. A man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Oh, how that moved me. That brother W. G. Johnson preached that. So I got a sermon from that, which I'm going to use my notes, but I'm not going to do all of this because we won't have time. I had a sermon based on that called The Messianic King. The Messianic, isn't that a beautiful expression? The Messianic King, just saying that, make me feel good. A, a king, my friend, shall reign righteous as King Jesus. A man, the God-man, should be at a hiding place and so forth. Princes shall reign in judgment. That's probably talking about the apostles. Uh, commentators differ on that. A king shall reign in righteousness. Princes shall rule in judgment. And a man should be at a hiding place from the wind. Now let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, you got to remember that the over in Palestine these days, uh, part of that is pretty desolate territory. It's pretty hot and pretty dry. And so there are a lot of different elements we need to consider here. So let's consider that today. A hiding place from the wind. Uh, think about this. Burning desert wind, blowing heat, blowing dust, just a wind. You know, I used to live in Clinton, Kentucky. We lived up on a hill, and sometimes the wind would blow so much it would drive me crazy. It wouldn't quit blowing. So a man shall be in a hiding place from the wind. So you think about the wind's adversity. Sometimes you may have a lot of wind blowing. 
hard times. Seem like you're just blowing, will never quit. It's hot and the dust is in your face. He said, he shall be a hiding place from the wind. Isn't that wonderful? So whatever wind blowing your way, he is going to be your hiding place. Then he said also, a cover from the tempest. Now tempest here in the Hebrew, it means a violent storm. It's a very violent storm. you got to run for cover. And I found out something that really interested me. Sometimes you'll be in a violent storm. We're all going to be. We had some prayer requests this morning. There'll be sicknesses. Some of them even to death. Uh, there'll be tragedies like this baby that died, uh, this tiny little baby. There'll be financial reverses. There'll be all kinds of problems, maybe stem problems. But my friends, sometimes it just gets very violent. But we can run to Jesus Christ, the God-man, for cover. And I found this out. It thrilled me. Augusta Toplady wrote that song, Rock Up Ages, Cleft for Me. You know what the history behind that song is? He was in England in a violent storm and found a cover to run into and wrote that song. And there's a place over there, there's a plaque in England, I can name you the place here, I won't read it to you right now, where the, there's a plaque that commemorates that. So he knew what he's talking about. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Friends, there's a cleft in the Rock of Ages, we have our troubles. He's a man shall be in a hiding place in the wind, a cover from a tempest. Then it says, as rivers of water in a dry place. That's an amazing thing to think about. Um, Really dry sometimes. We don't know what it means to be thirsty. Now, I do know what it means to be thirsty. I'm going to tell you a story one time. I used to be in the Boy Scouts, and I got inducted into the Order of the Arrow. Now, that's a really honor, man. You had this sash that came across an arrow on it and all that. But they had a, uh, day, an ordeal you had to go through. So we went through an ordeal one day, and one thing, you could not drink any water all day long. It hot as all get out. I knew what, I found out what thirsty really means. And so it got so thirsty, it rained. And I stood underneath a tree and shook that tree and tried to get some drops of water in my tongue. That's pretty thirsty. But my friend, he is a rivers of water in a dry place. We need the water of God's Holy Spirit, the water of God's Word. He's everything we need, isn't he? Isn't that wonderful? And then it says, uh, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Now, you don't know what that's talking about, but I do. I'm going to tell you about it. The shadow of a great rock in a weary land. One time in India, we're in Andhra Pradesh. I didn't remember this. Andhra Pradesh is north of where we usually go in Tamil Nadu. And you talk about hot, it gets hot up there. 110 Fahrenheit is pretty normal. It gets so hot, old people sometimes die. And even birds fall out of the sky sometimes or fall off the trees. And so we go inside the church building, a little right in the middle of a desert type place, made out of concrete blocks. If we hadn't had a fan there, a ceiling fan, that we had a little generator, I don't know what we'd have, we'd have made it. But when you go to India, you got to take your shoes off when you go to church building. So I have my sandals out on the porch. And so I go in there, we have a good service. I come and say, well, I'm going to get my sandals and walk the car. Well, my sandals are so hot, I could hardly pick them up. So I said, I'm just going to go barefoot. I made a mistake. It's like walking on a hot stove. The men saw what was going happening. Here's what they did. They, they picked me up before I burned my feet up and put me under a shade tree, and I was okay. The shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Isn't that wonderful? So you may get some pretty hot places sometime. Brothers and sisters hide under the shadow of his wings. So that's my sermon. Kind of short, wasn't it? See, I said four sermons, and I don't know if the rest of them be that short or not. But you, you ought to love that, Isaiah 32. It touched my heart then, it touches my heart now. Let me read you the text again. And I hope that you'll get, I, I thank Brother Johnson for that. Old Brother Johnson. He had a good old fellow from Jackson, Tennessee. He really wasn't a great preacher, really. 
But all he did was read the text that day, and it moved my soul. Sometimes an old preacher like me may not be all that good a preacher. If I can read a text from God's Word, the Holy Spirit makes it real to your heart. You can rejoice, folks. The Word of God is wonderful, especially when the Holy Spirit takes it and makes it real to us. We ought to be praying for that. Lord, open my eyes. I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Be in the Word of God. We live in an age where we're too busy. We don't spend enough time in God's Word. We're on all kinds of social media and our devices all the time. And we get so busy, we don't have time to be still and know that I'm God. You need to, God, refresh your soul with His Holy Word brought to your heart by the Holy Spirit and warm your heart. Nothing like it. Let me read that text again. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. And he does. King Jesus reign, my friend, even today. He's reigning today. We sang the song, Victory in Jesus. I love that word, victory. In the Greek, it's nikao. I conquer. You get the Nike tennis shoes. It's victory. We have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems sometimes like God's saints are on the short end. We're not. I talked to Daniel this morning. He's worried about our world. I worry about it too sometimes. It's amazing to me, my friend. They claim the fastest growing community of Christians in the world today is in Iran. When they had that terrible uh, repressive regime there and torturing people and killing them. Same in China. They've got more Christians in China than they got in the United States because of the large population under that repression. My friend, we are victorious. You can't stamp out the church of Jesus Christ. You know, the old devil tries to, but he makes a big mistake. Sometimes when you try to stamp out a fire, it just spreads it. The more the devil stamps the fire, the more it spreads. The, the blood of the saints, my friend, is the, the seed of them. You know how that's, I won't try to get that right now. Y'all can know what I'm talking about. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. King Jesus is reigning. Someday it'll be apparent. Sometimes it's not apparent all the time now. But there's a day coming when every knee shall bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. That's what you and I need to be doing right now. Open, open your mouth wide and let, show forth his praise. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together, as David said in Psalm 34. A king shall reign in righteousness, princes shall rule in judgment. A man shall be in a hiding place in the wind, as a cover from the tempest, as a river to water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. So rejoice in that. All right, now, my next sermon. Uh, Brother Jerry Hunt, Jr., who just died in his 90s, a dear, dear friend of mine, a spirit-filled, godly preacher. And uh, I remember several sermons Brother Jerry preached, but the one I want to talk about today is Paul's Prosperous Journey. I'll never forget that sermon as long as I have a sound mind. Paul's Prosperous Journey. Now, that's over in Romans chapter uh, uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read you that to you. Paul's praying have a prosperous journey to go to Rome. So I'm going to read you Chapter 1, verse 10 here. Paul's Prosperous Journey. This is quite a sermon that Brother Hunt preached. It ought to really encourage us. Romans 1.10. Making request, if by any means and out length, I might have a prosperous journey for the will of God to come unto you. God blessed Paul that prosperous journey, but wasn't the kind of prosperous journey he thought it would be. You have plans, folks. God's got plans also, and his plans supersede your plans. We have things we want to do, God loves His children, and sometimes God leads us by a way we know not. And sometimes it seems like God's not really leading us, but He is ultimately leading us. I love the song, that first clause, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. I just love that part of that song. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. He still leads His children. He still leads His children. So He got to Rome, okay, but not the way He thought He'd go. 
but it was better than the way he had planned. He didn't want to go to Rome. He traveled a whole lot. I'm just going to Rome, see the saints there. I want to have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. Now let me read you something that John Trapp said. He's a good old commentator. This he prayed, and this he had, by such a way that he little dreamed of. Maybe true in your life sometime. Looking back over 82 years, it's been true in my life. A lot of times I had plans. God had better plans. And sometimes I was disappointed, but we have to always keep our eye on God. He's leading his children, just like he led Paul. He loves his children individually, just like he did Paul. He calls his sheep by name. He knows your needs. He knows your desires. He knows your whole life better than you do. And he's in this for your good because he loves his children. Little thought, Paul, that when he was bound at Jerusalem, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and posted from one prison to another, that God was now sending him to Rome. Yet he sent him, and very safe, with a great convoy. God goes often another way to work for our good than we could imagine. And I'm going to read a couple of things now. Uh, I'm going to read some excerpts, not the whole thing. My wife told me don't read the whole thing, Zach. She's always saying that. She's right. But I've got some things highlighted here. One of them is Andrew Bitchum, one of our own sons here. One of our own dear sons of the ministry. He wrote an article back when he was in sophomore in uh, college. And I found it this week and I just thrilled my soul. So here's what he says. Andrew said, it's amazing to witness how God directs the paths of his children. And it is amazing. And I'm glad to be an old man in a way. I can look back and see how God's led me. I'm telling you folks, God is a faithful God. David said, I've been young, now I'm old, I never said righteous for a second, his seed begging bread, breaking bread. And I hope, I hope God will help me to do what he said in Psalm 71, verse 8. He said, Now that I'm old and gray headed, O God, forsake me not until I show thy strength to this generation, thy power to everyone that's to come. I gotta tell you something funny. I might have told you before, but I've said everything before had I when you've been here a lot, I've been. <laughs> Raised 11 children, had 12, one lost, you know, very early. 11 children. So one day I'm in a funeral home, and one of my cousins who hadn't seen me in years was talking to me, and at that time I had about eight kids. And boy, he just, his eyes got that big. And so he started whispering, and also the whole, everybody in the funeral home was kind of looking at me like I was a freak. And so he said, how do you feed them? I said, the same way you do yours, one meal at a time. And everybody started laughing. Brother, God will take care of you. Yes, our economy is probably going belly up. Inflation is here. Go to the grocery store. Prices are going up. Shocked me one time to go to Aldi and the eggs were four fifty eight dollars and I thought I'd look see a thing. <laughs> no tell what's going to happen, but God will take care of his children. I don't want it to happen. My flesh does not want that. It may be good for me. I may learn how to depend on God more than I do now. God even told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. we got a whole year's bread stored up. Mother Day may come, that may not be true, but my friend, we can pray, give me my daily bread. God said, listen, if, the, if I take care of the spares, take care of the little animals, how much more shall I take care of you, your Heavenly Father? And He'll also take care of our spiritual needs. All right, now Andrew said that. It's amazing to witness how God directs the paths of His children. Now, Specifically, Paul's prosperous journey. Let me read this to you. And I'll mention some things. 
I won't go to the book of Acts. I'm going to tell you where this is. I don't have time to read the whole thing. It's amazing how he got there. Okay, he quotes the scripture that uh, he wants to have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. I am sure what followed was not what Paul had in mind for a prosperous journey, but God saw it to be so, and so it came to pass. In Acts 21, Paul was taken prisoner in Jerusalem for preaching the gospel. That's the case. He's in the prison, I mean, in, in the, the temple, and a bunch of those Jews get stirred up. They caused him to, to be arrested in a violent arrest. So that's what he's talking about. This is the beginning of his journey, by the way. That's not what Paul thought was going to be the meaning. This, this arrest, this violent arrest, where they try to almost pull him in pieces, uh, would have him as a Roman centurion. That was the beginning of his prosperous journey. All right. Paul taken prisoner in Jerusalem for preaching the gospel after being tried in three courts. Now you read this in the book of Acts, starting verse 21, and I mean chapter 21, read some chapters there. He's tried in three courts with no verdict reached. Paul appealed to Caesar. Now, in those days, you can't do that in the United States. I can't appeal to the president or the Supreme Court. But in those days, anybody that was a Roman citizen, and Paul was a Roman citizen, that's also by God's providence, because not everybody was a Roman citizen. Paul was born one. He could appeal to Caesar. So to Caesar, you shall go. So that's why, that, that's why he, because here's why he did that. You might remember that these Jews who hated him so badly, with a vehement hatred, uh, tried to kill Paul, 40 of them made a, a, a pact among themselves, when they would not either drink till Paul is dead. They're going to try to get the Roman official to ask for Paul to come for a hearing. They're going to be lying in wait on the sideline and murder him. And his nephew, isn't that amazing how God works? His nephew heard about that. Went and told the centurion about it. So that old centurion, you know, Paul got the VIP treatment. This, uh, this old this, uh, centurion, he got a bunch of foot soldiers and some cavalrymen together, let Paul go down to Caesarea in the middle of the night, had this great big guard. That's amazing how God took care of it. Poor, poor old Paul. Probably poor Joe's old turkey, like my dad used to say. But yet he had this tremendous escort all the way down to Caesarea. Now let me read some more here. So he, so he wound up in Rome. Now, it wasn't an easy, easy way to get to Rome. You remember Acts chapter 27? Terrible, terrible tempest on the Mediterranean Sea. Paul warned him, you know, he, he got to say, I told you so one time. Sometimes we like to say, I told you so. Well, he told them, I don't think it's good that we can travel at this time. But the uh, centurion and the master of the ship thought we were going to go ahead. They had this terrible shipwreck. If you read, it's a, a storm over in Acts chapter verse 27. They got two weeks, two whole weeks, didn't even see the stars or the moon or the sun. Threw, all, threw stuff overboard, scared to death. So finally they come near this island, which is Malta. And so the ship gets hung up on a rock and it breaks in pieces. And the, so they had to swim for shore. And the, the, the Roman soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners so they couldn't get away. God's providential, isn't he? But the centurion law, Paul, said, no, we're not going to kill them. So they, some of them could swim, the rest of them float on board, went on down and spent some time in Malta. So Paul had a pretty hard time getting down to Rome. That's part of his journey. So back to Andrew now. He ended up in Rome as a prisoner of the Romans. That was good. Bad? That was really good. 
Think about this. If Paul had just gone to Rome by himself, he would never have been able to have access to Caesar's uh, guard, his Praetorian guard. But he did. Since Paul went under arrest there, the Praetorian guard, which is Caesar's bodyguards, right there close to the palace, right under Caesar's nose, Paul's a prisoner. Isn't that amazing? So, and they also, he is under household arrest, not a bad arrest, household arrest. They even have his own hired house. And remember the book of Philippians was written because the people from Philippi sent money for Paul, had that rented house, so he could have that rented house. And so he thanked them as a thank you letter for the Philippian letter. So here Paul is now, got to Rome by what he didn't know, in a situation he didn't expect. He's right there under Caesar's nose, and he can have people coming into him all the time and talking to him about the Lord. So it's like a center of the gospel. He's spreading the gospel of the whole Roman Empire right there under Caesar's nose. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God great? That's where he wrote those four prison epistles. Philippians and Ephesians and Philemon and Colossians. From that right place right there. Isn't that amazing? Paul's prosperous journey. You can read about that in the 28th chapter of Acts. So I love Brother Jerry Hunt Sr., the precept sermon, Paul's prosperous journey. Friends, you and I also have prosperous journeys to do what God wants us to do. I just want to encourage all of us to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, direct my paths. Isn't that wonderful? All right, now, i got two more sermons. These are kind of short. I won't take as much time as you thought I'd take, probably. But I love these sermons, too. Uh, I had a friend named Charles Walker. He's also a great preacher, a wonderful, wonderful preacher. And uh, he, he, he was quite a guy. He, he had a real imagination. He had a great preacher. So I'm going to tell you about two sermons that Charles Walker preached. And both of them I get goosebumps thinking about them to this day. One of them was, this is, I, here's the title, There's a Chair in Heaven. There's a chair in heaven. Well, you can imagine, you Bible readers, what he's talking about. In the temple and in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies represented heaven. Hebrews makes that plain. The things in the tabernacle and the temple were patterned of things in the heaven. The very essence of that was the Holy of Holies. There's the holy place, then the most holy place. That's where they had the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, That's where they had the cherubim that faced each other on the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where the Shekinah glory, which is God himself, would come down and meet with the high priest once a year right there on that throne. Now, let me just say something before I go further. That's the great throne. You can enjoy that throne today. That's what's called the throne of grace. That's the throne. Let that be in your mind next time you go to prayer. It said over in Hebrews, let us therefore come boldly, boldly, you belong there if you're one of his children, to the throne of grace. You may obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. That's when you pray. What you're really doing. The Bible says that you're really coming in your spirit to heaven itself, to the throne room, my friend, where the king's sitting right there that loves you. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. You may obtain mercy, find great to help, in time of need. Hallelujah. That's great. That ought to invigorate your prayer life. Read that over in Hebrews chapter 4 before you pray next time. See if it won't help you. So anyway, though, Paul is right there. I mean, I mean, uh, so, so Charles preached this. Now, let me say this. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle and the temple, in that most holy place, they had the Ark of the Covenant. Right before the veil there, they had the table of showbread, the altar of incense. But inside, the Ark of the Covenant. But there's no chair in there. No chair. You know why? Because the work wasn't finished. Those priests represented Jesus Christ. The work was not finished. When our Savior, my friend, finished the work, he sat down. He's right there today on the throne of grace at the right hand of God. Isn't that beautiful? 
There's no, they're, they're, they're a chair in heaven. Wasn't one here. Work was not finished. Let me read you a couple of scriptures about that. Look over at Hebrews 1 2. Oh, let's love the scripture. Hebrews chapter, I mean, 1 3. Talking about our precious Savior. By the way, if you want to memorize something, go ahead and memorize Hebrews chapter 1. Only 10 verses. It's a majestic chapter. The whole Bible's great. The whole Bible's great. There's certain chapters, I call them majestic chapters. Hebrews 1. It's a short one. Memorize it. It'll do you good. It's a majestic chapter. Hebrews chapter 1. We got one of our young men here memorizing it right now. This is beautiful. Over in Hebrews 1 3. Who being the brightness of his glory, talking about Jesus Christ, of God's glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things with the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Brothers and sisters, God purged the sins of all his children. It didn't say he's a would be savior, he's a savior. We believe that here at Great Chapel. We believe, my friend, that the Lord Jesus Christ died for the sheep, for the elect, for his people, the chosen ones, and not one of them would be lost. Thank God for that. He's a successful Savior. Not a would-be Savior. Not a potential Savior. A real, genuine Savior. He purged our sins. If he purged our sins, they can't be brought against us again. He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. The worker finished. You know, one time the worker finished, wasn't it? He made the creation. He said he got rested on the seventh day, didn't he? He wasn't tired. They just meant, I'm through. I made this world and all that is in. I'm the great creator. It's time now for me to signify the fact I've accomplished this. I'm resting. Same thing about salvation. When he obtained my friend when Jesus Christ said on that cross, it's finished. He meant what he said. You remember that sermon I preached on that? It's finished. Tetelestai, that wonderful Greek word. It's finished and remains finished, my friend, the perfect tense. It's finished for all time. So there's a chair in heaven. Thank God. But he, you, know, he, you know what, though? Every now and then he gets up off that chair. You know what I'm talking about? You remember Stephen, the great martyr? He's being stoned to death. But even though he's being stoned, that must be a horrible way to die. But he's being stoned to death. He says, I see heaven open. And the Son of Man standing beside the throne of God. I believe my friend Jesus Christ gives every saint a personal welcome when they come home. I know they're dying all the time, but how can he do it? He's infinite. I believe you will get a personal welcome when you come to go to glory. I know you will be. Peter talked about the abundant entrance over there in 1 Peter 1.11. So don't worry about dying if you're one of his children. Daniel and I were talking about this earlier. I preached a young man's funeral one time, David Wallace. And I said, I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound strange to you. I said, this is not the best day of your life to stay behind and mourn. That's the best day of David's life. When I first got that idea, I had a little sister I was pastoring at Clinton, Kentucky. And one day she just began to talk. She said, Brother Zach, I've been doing a lot of thinking, but the day I die, that's the best day of my life. That's the day I go see Jesus. That's the proof, friends. Death should not be dreaded by a child of God. We're through of all of our troubles then. All we lose is our sinful nature. And I sure want to lose that, don't y'all? I want to get rid of that thing. It bothered me all the time. So my friend, look forward. I'm, we, get, we need to stay here as long as God wants us to be here. It's natural to want to retain our life here, but I do really believe that when our time comes, God will give us dying grace. I believe we'll be able to say like that verse of the song, Come, welcome death, I gladly go with thee. I believe we'll be able to say like the Apostle Paul, To depart and be with Christ is far better. We've got it made when you get to thinking about it. 
God's going to be with us all the time as the earnest of our inheritance even now. And then someday we will be in that inheritance itself. This incorrupt, undefiled, fat not away, reserved in heaven for us. We've got a lot to look forward to. We need to be an optimistic people. So they're a chair in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Let me read you another one. I'll tell you a little homework assignment if you want to have some fun. Get your concordance out. Look every time the right hand of God is mentioned in the New Testament. It'll put iron in your blood. Do that. Not, not, just a, just a, not, not a whole big number. You can do it one afternoon. Look up all the places that the right hand of God is mentioned. It'll put iron in your blood, spiritual iron in your blood. I'll read you a couple more, two more of these. 1 Peter 3.22. I've already read Hebrews 1.3. Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And one more. Matthew twenty-two forty-four. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou my right hand, till I make all thine enemies thy footstool, and that day is coming. That's gonna be a glorious day, isn't it? I quote that. Scripture to you earlier, my friends. Some of these days, I know people. They, 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 they just in our country here, we reject Jesus Christ. We do many things contrary to, to Jesus of Nazareth. Even our government does that. Many people, like in China, just uh, uh, these oppressive regimes, terrible. The world's a really kind of a sad place. The old preacher used to call this the low ground of sin and sorrow. But the day coming that'll be over with. Someday, my friend, our precious Savior will be totally vindicated. And like I said, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Every tongue shall confess. Hallelujah. I just add that. That Jesus Christ the Lord, the glory of God the Father. Oh, what a day that will be. What a day of rejoicing that will be. You ever been excited at a basketball game? You ain't seen nothing yet. You'd be so excited when you see Jesus Christ triumphant in the entire redeemed family of God there. My friend, we're going to start rejoicing and never quit. Never quit. We're shouting praises to God. We can't, we, we won't be able to hold it back. We see Jesus face to face. See the King! The King. It must have been quite a day on his coronation, don't you think so? I love to think about the exaltation of Christ. It began with his resurrection. Then his ascension. Then his coronation. Now his session at God's right hand. Then someday his second coming. But what a day that must have been. When he ascended to heaven, was crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a celebration of must have been in heaven that day. We'll join it one of these days. All right, this, now, Charles had another sermon. The, the, that, the, remember that now. Remember that title. There's a chair in heaven. Thank God. Now, another sermon Charles preached was on the Word of God. So I'm going to read you two scriptures about this. The Word of God. What, what did you get out of that, Charles? Well, he said, here's what Charles said. Like I said, he's a pretty profound thinker. Old country boy, but profound thinker. He said, we have ideas and thoughts. Like I look at Kiefer Bitchum, I can't tell what Kiefer's thinking right now. I can't tell. But I know one thing, if he starts speaking, I don't know what he's thinking. So my friend Carl made this analogy. We don't know God's thoughts, but when Christ began to speak, he's the word of God. We know what God thinks. Isn't that wonderful? He's the word of God. We read over there in John about him being the Word. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's the Logos, he's the Word. I remember one time uh, I was at uh, down in Georgia, 
at uh, the former's house, and this Jehovah Witness came by. And we had a talk, and that really stirred me up. Because they don't believe my friend that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't believe he's God. So I immediately get to writing a pamphlet. I've got it now, if you don't want to see it sometime. My friend, i showing the Godhood of Jesus Christ. If you don't see the attributes of God, look at Jesus Christ. My friend, God's omnipotent, right? Well, look at Christ, my friend. He can raise the dead. He can walk on the water. He can just speak. And the waves and the winds were still. We see God's, we see God's compassion in Jesus Christ. He had compassion even on the multitudes. So we can, isn't that wonderful? He's the word of God. Look at Jesus Christ. Do you want something about God? He's a prophet. He's a great prophet. Prophets don't only foretell the future. They're foretellers. And if you don't know something about God the Father, look at Jesus Christ. He's the word of God. Isn't that beautiful? So let me read you a scripture about that uh, over in Hebrews 1-2. I had 1-1 while ago, but I'm going to read 1-2. I'm going to turn to it so I won't mess it up. Hebrews chapter, the, the majestic chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, I mean, uh, verse 1, chapter 1 and verse 2. Now this is absolutely beautiful. All this is beautiful. When I get through, the half had not been told. The tenth had been told. The thousandth had been told. I'm going to read you the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 1. God put sundry times and in diverse manners different ways Sometimes types and shadows, sometimes through prophets, sometimes through symbolism. God, his sundry time and in divers' manners, spake in time past. Aren't you glad he spoke? Aren't you glad he speaks? I love what old Francis Schaeffer said, that book he wrote. He is there, he's not silent. He's not silent. He could have been God and never let us know what's going on. But my friend, he was pleased to reveal himself to us. That revelation ought to thrill our souls. God who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the Father by the prophets, get this, hath in his last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Aren't you glad he spoke to us through Jesus Christ? You might say, well, I wish I lived back in the Old Testament time, not me. I'm glad they had it made back there, but my friend, we got made more than they did. They had those types and shadows. They're looking forward to Jesus Christ. We are living in the age when he's already come, my friend. We look for his second coming. Now, let me summarize really quickly. Don't forget now, he's a hiding place. Don't forget, my friend, he, Paul had a prosperous journey. We will also. Don't forget there's a chair in heaven. Thank God. And don't forget, my friend, he's the precious word of God that reveals the Father to us. Hallelujah. Come on, Isaac.